This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Well, guys, welcome again. Uh, church family, those that are here, guests, uh, those that are watching online, we thank you so much for, uh, for being a part this morning, and uh, it, is a, it is a special day. Uh, at Church of the Harvest, we're just a, we're a family. We, we love God, and because we love our Father, we want to be just like Him, and so we choose to, to love people and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. As a church family, we meet in community groups throughout the week, but we still love Sundays, and we come together, and we worship the Lord corporately uh, here at our building. Guys, as, as Harvest, uh, I, I always say this every week, but we're just a small expression of the body of Christ, and, um, and if you're with us, what is the vision, what is our vision as a Church of the Harvest family? is to make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. And we do that through community, discipleship, and outreach. As we, you know, we've been discussing relationships, uh, I did the last couple of weeks, and, and you know, as we were talking about that, we, we've talked about how we were created to be loved by God. We were created for relationship. Thus, community is one of our primary pillars here as a church family. Community is very important with us. And as a family that values community and values relationship, we value our, uh, our annual family day. And we thank you for, for being here as, uh, as friends and family. So, uh, Sean, I wanted to, uh, to just talk to you guys for a few minutes this morning. We always talk about community and family and those kind of things. And, and, and as we were talking, we were, we were thinking about how over the years we have, we have officiated or attended um, a lot of weddings over the years. And um, uh, some weddings very traditional, some very different. How many of you have been to a very different wedding? You're like, oh, wow, they're doing that. Okay. Uh, we, we've been to a couple weddings that were kind of Hawaiian-themed weddings. Have you ever been to a Hawaiian-themed wedding? Everybody's wearing Hawaiian shirts and, and the whole bit. Very different. Uh, we, we, um, I'll tell you one that was very different. Um, Christina and Austin's wedding was in Arctic weather. In Arctic weather outside. <laughs> Who it was, was there? It was freezing. It was outdoors. Oh, memorable. It was what? It was 70 degrees the day before. And what was it the day of? 26. Negative 30 yeah. is what it felt like. And of course it was outdoors in the park. Yeah. Arctic, Arctic wedding. Lauren's up there to lead some music and can't keep her guitar in tune. Strings are like, it's like it was so cold. I love, actually, Chris and Natty's reception was in a beautiful barn. And love that. Thought, thought, mm-hmm. Reception. Yeah, it was in a barn. And then um, I was thinking George and Lisa's, uh, Finney, their wedding was at the zoo. That was, that, was, that was pretty cool. We've seen some different weddings. Obviously, our favorite wedding was about 26 years and two months ago. <laughs> I have a wedding. I have a picture from it uh, that you can see there real quick. <laughs> All right, take that down. Take that down. Don't you love big poofy on the dress. That was the style then, I promise. <laughs> at least I wasn't wearing poofs. Yeah, at least you didn't have the poofy sleeves. <laughs> but guys, here's the thing. There's one thing that always happens at a wedding that I think is a very special moment. There's a moment where the bride and groom kiss and the pastor tells them to turn around and face their friends and family, right? And they say, it's my pleasure to introduce to you Mr. and Mrs., Fill in the whoever it may be, right? And what does everybody do at that point? Woo! Place erupts and applause Woo! and cheers and everything else. And I was thinking, why is that? 
because we've just seen the birth, the creation of a new family. Hmm. Family is so, so important to us as human beings. And, and with that, I, I was thinking, Shauna thought of this song. In 1979, four sisters from Philadelphia wrote a song. What was it called? There you we go. are family. Everybody sing it. We are family. I got all my sisters and me. I don't have any sisters. We are family. Get up, everybody, and sing. sing. You know, something I didn't know. I looked up that song real quick, and, and I didn't realize in that song, the, that year, 1979, if you're into baseball, the Pittsburgh Pirates were down the World Series. Three to one, they were down. And... They were down. They were depressed. I mean, this is almost over. And you know what they did? The next game, they adopted that song as their theme song. And they would play it at the beginning. We are family. And if you look it up, uh, their star, one of their stars, Willie Stargle, came back and he led them to win the next three games and won the World Series. The last time, 1979, last time they won the World Series, 1979, when they adopted this song as their theme song. Coincidence? Guys, there's something about coming together as family, right? You know, there's something actually really special about family. How many of you would agree with that? Yeah. How many of you would agree that your, with your family can be the greatest source of joy? Amen. And the greatest source of heartache Amen. at times. I mean, who agrees with that? You're our family. Sometimes you have the greatest experiences and you have some of the lowest experiences. I believe that there is more emotion attached to our families than any other relationships in our society. And have you know that Jesus actually had a few controversial things to say about family? He did. You guys want to see what the scripture says? Right here. Read along with me. This is actually um, in Mark 3, verses 20 through 21. It says, Then Jesus went home, but once again a large crowd gathered around him, which prevented him from eating a meal. Jesus was hungry. When his own family heard that he was there, they went out to seize him, for they said he is insane. And let's go on to verse 31 right here. It says, Then Jesus' mother his brothers came and they stood outside and they sent a message to him asking that he come out and speak with them. And when the crowd sitting around Jesus heard this, they spoke up and said to him, Jesus, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. All right, here might be the controversial part. He answered them saying, who is my true mother and my true brother? Then looking in the eyes of those that were sitting in a circle around him, he said, here are my true family members. For whoever does the will of God is my brothers, my sisters, and my mother. Now, how many of you know that salvation isn't about religion? Who agrees with that? Salvation is not about religion. It's about what? Relationship. Relationship. It's about relationship. You know, there are many religious people in this world but a good majority of them do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it's all about knowing Jesus. And so let's look about the word religion for a moment. The the word religion comes from the Latin word religare. And so let me tell you what this means. It actually means to tie 
or to bind. Now, our English word ligament actually comes from this word as well. And so our ligaments, what do they do? They tie our bones and our joints together. Mm-hmm. Now, religion or faith is something that binds people to a set of beliefs. You guys following here? Mm-hmm. Kind of a progression there. Romans 6.23 says that salvation is what? A gift gift from God, God, Mm -hmm. which is eternal life. So I want you to think for a moment. How would you complete this sentence? Eternal life is fill in the blank. Everybody answer that to yourself. Eternal life is fill in the blank. I bet all of you thought of something maybe different. You know, some of you might have said eternal life is living forever. Anybody have that thought? A couple of you did. Well, let me just say this. Um, if you're miserable now, why would you want to be miserable for all eternity? <laughs> right? And so let me tell you actually the answer that we're looking for is eternal life is knowing Jesus. And Jesus said in his scripture in John 17:3, Jesus said, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so, guys, we've got to make sure that it's not about religion. Being here at church today is not about religion. It's about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. And further expounding on that, I think most people in the world would argue that uh, the Apostle Paul was one of the most religious men who ever lived. He would have considered himself to be one of the most religious people who ever lived. However, he quickly recognized that he was utterly lost without Jesus. And if you look actually in Philippians chapter 3, he starts off this chapter by listing his religious qualifications. In the beginning of this, he starts laying all this out and he talks about, He talks about how he was born a Jew. He talks about how he was circumcised in the eighth day. He talks about how he was born of the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, He was was emphasizing here that he was the Jew of all Jews. He was the Hebrew of all Hebrews. And then we we also know that he, he meticulously kept the letter of the law. I mean, all the law to the point where he was so zealous that, that he was arresting and persecuting Christians, right? Because they were considered a threat to, to Judaism. And so, what happens? Paul encounters Jesus on the road to, to Damascus, and he says he realizes on that moment that his religion was worthless. And actually, I'm, we're just going to read that real quick in Philippians chapter 3, uh, verse 8 from the Passion Translation. Here's what he says. He's just listed his religious qualifications, and here's what he says next. He says, to, know, to truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. He called everything he just said boasting. He said, it's all a pile of manure to me now so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as a Lord in all his greatness. He said, my passion is to be consumed with him, not clinging to my own righteousness, which he mentioned in the first couple of verses. Based on keeping the letter of the law, written the, the written law, my righteousness will be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. And I will be one with him in his sufferings and I will be one with him in my death. Paul looks back, probably the most religious person who ever lived, 
And he said, it's all worthless without Jesus, without relationship with Jesus. So actually, let's go back to Jesus for a minute. And so, so as we were just reading a minute ago, so here's Jesus. He's, he's got the crowds all around him. It's early on in his ministry. He, they're, they're pressing him. He doesn't even have time to eat, um, maybe kind of neglecting himself to a certain extent for the sake of others. His family comes in, and they are trying to get him. They're, they're trying to get his attention. They're, they're trying to have a family intervention. They want to take him back to Nazareth. Maybe, maybe they wanted to avoid any further public embarrassment or humiliation. And the, it says here, it literally says, if you, the translation says, they thought he had lost his senses. They thought he was out of his mind. They told Jesus that his mother and brothers were there. He says, who is my, who is my mother? Who, who are my brothers? And he looks around the people that are around him, and he said, these are my, these, these people. These, this is my mother. These are my, these are my brothers, my sister. And so we know that, how many of you know that Jesus was not rejecting his earthly family? How many of you know that Jesus loved his family? He absolutely did. He loved his mother. He loved his brothers and his sisters. He wasn't rejecting them, but I believe he's stating, making a statement here, and, and, and basically what he's saying is that the, this family, the spiritual family connection is stronger than any physical family connection. You guys have heard it said before. I mean, you've heard the saying, blood is thicker than water. Blood is thicker than water. Now, what that's normally talking about is it's talking about the bond between families should be stronger than the bond between friends is usually what that means, right? Blood is thicker than water. Guys, let me say this. Jesus' blood is thicker than family blood. Jesus' blood is much thicker than family blood. In other words, Jesus is teaching us here the most important family in the world is the family of God, the church of Jesus. Now, if everybody in your physical family has bowed their knee to Jesus and is serving him and has surrendered to him, that's awesome. That's best case scenario uh, right there for you as far as your family goes. But how do you know that many times when somebody receives Christ, they have family members who are not saved, who have not given their life to Jesus, right? And sometimes people give their life to Christ and their family kind of persecutes them over it. Have you ever experienced that before? They say, man, they are out of their ever-loving mind. What has happened to them? Use Jesus freak, you know, what? But that happens many times. But once we become part, once we become a new creation, once we say yes to Jesus and we bow our knee to him, we become part of the family of God. And we can always know that Jesus's blood is so much thicker than biological family blood could ever be in a thousand lifetimes. Amen? All right. So today we're actually going to talk about some similarities between our biological family and our church family. All right. So how many of you have a biological family? Okay, every <laughs> yep. single person should raise a hand, okay? That, that's how you were created, You may not right? want to claim them, but you got <laughs> you, them out there somewhere. You may not like them. You may not want to claim them. They may not be in your life. Um, but I want to talk about a few similarities. And so number one that I want to talk about is that God's family is far from perfect. Amen. <laughs> Some of you are like, uh-huh, yep, you're right. But, you know, here's the reality is I don't think there is one person in here or one person that's watching online that would stand up and say, I have the perfect family. I've never met that person. I'm not that person. I think probably all of us could uh, recognize some flaws in their family or some things that they don't like or some things that they wish were different. Um, I've heard it said before that families are like fudge, mostly sweet, but with a few nuts. nuts. All right? So here's the, guy, here's the deal, guys. If you, if you don't know of any nuts in your family, 
<laughs> you're probably come, come the nut, to, right? Come to church. You, you're probably the nut. Okay. You're probably the nut. <laughs> um, so, guys, here's the deal. Just like in our biological families aren't perfect, neither is the church. The church is not perfect. You know, you've often heard you can choose your friends, but you can't choose what? Your family. Your family. Well, let me tell you this. When you choose Jesus, you're also choosing everyone that is in his family. Yep. Most of them are sweet, and a few of them might be a little nutty, right? Um, okay, <laughs> everyone probably has an Uncle Eddie, right? Everybody <laughs> you know, know what Uncle that's Eddie coming is? from? Have an Uncle Eddie. Um, and so, you, you love I'm, him as an uncle, but he's off, a little off his rocker. Little off his rocker. Yeah, and yeah. so, this kind of got me thinking, you know, um, I have one family member who's actually an uncle, and his name to me is Uncle Gary. And Uncle Gary was my dad's dad. He's still living. Great guy. Um, but we're talking about kind of a nut. He comes to mind. And so what comes to mind about that is not necessarily how he acts, but his first impression that he makes on anybody that has ever come to his house that on has me. maybe never met him. First time I met him. So the first time Rob met him, Rob and I were dating. We were in Dallas. They lived in a suburb of Dallas. We drive out to Mansfield where they live, and we go. They have this nice house, a lot of land. And so we go out to the back, and here I introduce my Uncle Gary to Rob. <laughs> Here's how my Uncle Gary is dressed. You want me to this describe? is a man. Do you? This is. You can add in. This is a man. Okay, a little taller than me. Pretty. Okay, Zach Davis stature. Let's just put that there. Wearing this. Ooh, that's a good thing. Short runner shorts. Short, dude. Crop tops. Flip flops. Hairy belly. He's like, hey man. And that's his go-to wardrobe to this day. A little nutty, is it not? <laughs> a little nutty, a little awkward, great, great guy, yep, great guy. Great guy. Um, guys, but here's the reality. The same is true with God's family. There may be people in our church, maybe whose personality you don't care for a lot. Please don't point at them right now or look at them, yeah. okay? Uh, we're not trying to work with the fences today. Um, but here's the reality. You don't have to be best friends and hang out with every single person. But what you have to do is to love them. Love family. Because we love family. And how many of you know that we make allowances for family members? That's right. And so some people are easy to love and some people are easier to love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? And so we need to have that mindset with that. You know, sometimes, I mean, I've heard this before, sometimes people leave a church because there are members in that church that they just don't like. And then they go to another church, and guess what? There are people that they just don't like. Here's the reality. There is no perfect church. There's no perfect church because there's no perfect people. Right. And so I came across this poem. Um, it's by Mavis Williams. And so I want to read this to you. It's actually titled, The Perfect Church. If you should find the perfect church without one fault or smear, for goodness sake, don't join that, cheer, that church. church. You'd spoil the atmosphere. If you find the perfect church where all anxieties cease, then pass it by, lest joining it, you'd mar the masterpiece. If you find the perfect church, then don't ever dare to dread upon such holy ground because you would be a misfit there. 
But since no perfect church exists made of imperfect men, then let's cease looking for that church and love the church within. What fools we are to flee our post in that unfruitful search to find at last where problems loom. God proudly builds his church. So let's keep working in our church until the resurrection, and then we will each join that church without an imperfection. It's powerful, isn't it? That good? How I mean, you know God's family is not perfect, just Ooh. like your family is not perfect. You know why God's family is not perfect? Because I'm a I'm part of it. Because <laughs> you're a part of it. Second thing, just, we're just giving you three things. Uh, bear with us for just a couple more minutes, almost done. Number two, God's family cares for one another even in tough times. Mm-hmm. How, many of you know, how many of you say that's your family? We care for one another in tough times. Families come together when things get tough, when the going gets tough. When there's sickness or death or the loss, loss of job or, or, or somebody needs a place to live, whatever, what happens? Family comes together. That's what family's supposed to do. God's family is the same way. So how do you know the Bible describes God's family, the body of Christ, as a body, right? It, it, the picture of a, of a human of a human body. And, and so it talks about how God has placed each member in place, right? It's each member in place in the body. And he did it as it pleased him, not as it pleased us, right? He placed each member into the body as it pleased him. And when one member of the body hurts, how many of you know, the rest of the body hurts, mm-hmm. right? You know, I was reading the other day something that was talking about the difference between a dead organization, uh, like an organization and a living organism. The difference between an organization and living organism. So when an organization, like say a business, when a business has an area that is weak, maybe a weak employee that's not pulling their slack, that's having issues, and a department is starting to fail, a lot of times, you know what they do? They either fire that employee or they cut off that department, right? The end, bam, layoffs, discontinue. Well, what happens when a member of our physical body is hurting or weak? Do we cut it off? Thank goodness, no. No. I don't. Maybe you're Uncle Eddie and you do. I don't know. (laughs) But, you know, I was thinking about this. When, When a part of our body is hurt, other parts of the body rush to help. For instance, if I'm hammering in a nail and I hit my thumb, I don't go, well, done with that, and cut it off. Right? Probably the first thing I do is drop the hammer in the other hand. And I probably yell, oh! And then my other hand grabs it. And maybe I put it in my mouth. (laughs) And things begin to happen inside of my body. It begins to react and rushes exactly what that part, that injured part of my body needs, right? To repair it and bring it back to health that it may be strong again. That's how parts of the body work to assist each and every member, right? And that's exactly what God says the body of Christ should look like. The church isn't an organization. We are a living organism. We are the body of Christ. We care for each other at all times, even when it's tough. Amen? All right, and this takes us into number three, the last point, which is God's family celebrates Jesus together. How many of you have celebrated Jesus today? That's why we're here. That's why we're here, right? So, you know, one of the greatest things I think about holidays is that 
what? Families come together. Mm -hmm. Maybe sometimes you're spread out all over, but it, I mean, usually on holidays, family all gets together. I know for us, um, what was the most recent holiday we have? Anybody know? July 4th, right? And so um, some of you may know, we actually were in Africa um, on July 4th, and um, we were there on the base, and it just hit me. Here we are in Africa, and actually all five of us were together. I'm like, Doesn't happen often. all five of us were together on July 4th in another country. And I was just like, wow, God, you are good. And, you know, here's the thing is that, you know, we gather for many different holidays, right? Christmas, Thanksgiving, um, if you're the Sapalas, Memorial Day, <laughs> July 4th, Mother's Day, you know, like, you know, we gather with family on special events, and that's exactly what we do as a family of God. That is what Sunday morning is about, is us as a family coming together to worship Him. And here's the thing, you know, some of you may have grown up in a church that was very solemn and quiet. I don't know if that's any of you here. I don't know if any of you have ever stepped into a church like that um, where maybe you couldn't laugh, you couldn't celebrate. It was just a very quiet thing. And, you know, and a lot of people use the verse um, Habakkuk 2.20 that says, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. But here's the reality is that verse has nothing to do with worship. Right. When you look at that, it was actually war a warning to the Babylonians to fear the power of Almighty God. And so here's what I'm thankful for. I am thankful that I'm a part of a church family that realizes worship is a celebration. Yep. You know, as Lauren was leading our worship a while ago, you know, the very first song was more of a praise song. And I loved, where's Megan? Megan was right in front of me, guys. And here, you know, she is in her posture. <laughs> She's on the floor. You know, she just had her hands up and she was singing. And then, you know, a couple of the boys over here, you know, started jumping. And I, I love watching Zoe. Zoe was worshiping. Zoe was up here worshiping. And, you know, so many different ones of you were worshiping. And guys, we don't come to church to mourn a corpse. That's right. We are here to celebrate a risen, risen king. king. Yeah. Jesus is alive. And we celebrate his resurrection every single time that we meet together. And some of us might need to tell us ourselves that. Because sometimes we just come to church to go through the motions. But I encourage you from here forward, God, I am going into that place of worship to praise and honor you that you rose and that you died and that you have a purpose right. for me. And I am That's excited good. that I get to do it, not alone, but with people of like mind that are love me and that are for me. And so guys, you know, that's why here, you know, we worship with song, we worship with dancing, we worship with clapping, but here's the why. It's all for him. It's not for me. It's all for him. That's right. And I love that we get to do it together. And I believe that when we do it together, that there is power mm -hmm. when we do that together. Um, you know, several of y'all have heard us say this numerous times, but a lot of times, you know, when we have guests or visitors that come to the church, um, we are often told how inviting and welcoming they felt when they came. And guys, that's just like kudos to you. That means you guys are doing exactly what God has called you to do. You are welcoming them. You're being kind to them. You're celebrating them. Um, and that's important to yep. do, is it not? Yep. Um, we worship together because we are family. Now, I probably just said that, and I bet a couple of you, or even some of you online, maybe within the context of this church, or maybe you're part of another church, and maybe you have not felt that way. Maybe you haven't felt welcomed. Maybe you haven't felt loved. Um, here's what I would encourage you to do. I would encourage you to get involved in a community group. Yep. 
do the hard things. Get around people who love the Lord. You know, sometimes we feel isolated by the church, but in reality, we're isolating ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, if your only involvement in church is coming, I wouldn't say just coming, slipping in on Sunday morning and slipping out, you can't expect to feel connected. Right. You can't expect to experience the love of one another, the help from one another, to celebrate with one another. But here's the deal. A lot of individuals that feel this way get offended when no one seems to notice that they're missing. Yep. Nobody noticed I wasn't there. Nobody called. Well, are you really connected in community? Or are you just attending in a body that shows up for an hour and a half on Sunday morning? Right. It's so important that we get connected. It's so important that we let people get into our business. Yeah. Because that's where we feel that love. That's where we feel that acceptance is we have to be vulnerable. Yeah. We can't just show up and be like, I want all the benefits, but I don't want to have to do any of the work. <laughs> and I want to add one more thought. I don't know if you saw I added this to the notes. Nope. Um, so hopefully you're good with it. So that's one example of maybe feeling isolated within the church. But I want to give you another thought. I thought about myself and I thought about my life and I can think of two moments in my life where I, in the context of the church, would feel isolated or awkward. Here's number one. Anytime that Rob and I would ever leave town and go on a vacation, visit with my family, I would cut, I mean, we'd miss one or maybe two services and I would come back into that church setting and I just felt like I don't belong here. Everything went along without me. This just doesn't feel right. I'm hearing all these stories of everything that happened. I mean, to the point where it's like when I would come, it's like I don't even want to go because it's just going to feel awkward. Hmm. I didn't recognize that probably for the first five to seven years of church involvement. And finally one moment it hit me. I'll come back to it. It hit me. Here's the second time that I personally have felt isolated within the church. Um, Some of you guys know that my dad passed away in 2013. My grandmother passed away in 2013. And you've heard it said, I've shared some of the testimony. You know, my mom's like, you're my rock, you're my rock, you're my rock. So I felt like I had to be the rock, be the rock, be the rock. I'm just keeping everybody together. I'm holding the family. I'm the glue. There was a lot put on me. And so at the time, I'm like, yes, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. But I never grieved the loss of my father. So it's two or three years later, and here's where I was at. It hit. I couldn't definitely say what I was feeling was associated with that, but I was like, I don't want to be at church. I don't want to answer a text. I don't want to answer a phone call. Um, I began to feel anxious. I would begin to have pressure in my chest. Um, I began to be grumpy. I began to be very insensitive. Now, here's my point. With those two examples that I just gave There was not neglect on the church family's part at all. Mm -hmm. That was all within me. That was all within my heart and my headspace. And I had to recognize it. With that first example, I had to recognize, why do I always feel that way? And what can I do different? And so once I came to recognize that it was a problem, I was like, okay, I can miss it. I'll just pick up right where I left off. Really? What happened? Tell me about it. Instead of feeling like I wasn't a part of it. The other thing, I had to come to recognize that I needed to 
give that hurt of my dad leaving to the Lord. Yep. I had to deal with it. I had to share it with others. I had to talk about it. I had to, I remember talking to Pastor Bob and we were getting ready to have a women's retreat. This is while doing ministry, guys. Mm-hmm. I was getting ready to lead a women's retreat up in Pigot. And he's like, Shauna, if you can just get alone with the Lord for a little bit <laughs> and get down on your knees and give all that to God. So in the middle of leading, in the middle of still serving the Lord, I got down. It was at Joe and Tracy's, Tracy's dad's house. Had an afternoon of free time. And I got down and I gave that all to him and those things broke off. Yep. So here's my challenge is that if you're feeling isolated, ask yourself, is it because you're isolating yourself? Is it because you're afraid of the hurt? Is it because you're afraid of the conflict? Is it because you don't want to deal with the mess of family? Family gets messy. It's part of it. But it is so worth it if you stay committed. It is so worth it if you're like, I am in, good or bad. I'm going to refuse to walk in offense because I love my God and I want everything that I do to honor him and to be an overflow to everybody else. (laughs) <laughs> that was added. <laughs> Following that. <laughs> so get involved with family. Family's awesome. It is. The good and the bad. Family is so important. Guys, we were created to be loved. We were created for relationship. Life's greatest family is the family of God, and that's why you're here uh, this morning. And I, I would ask you, do you know him? Are you part of the family of God? Mm-hmm. Have you said yes to Jesus and become part of the family? And the greatest family in the earth is the church. Yeah. Are you involved in what the church is doing locally where you live? Are you involved in the local church? Are you maybe involved here at Harvest or somewhere else? Wherever you go, wherever it is the Lord may lead you, get involved. It is a, such a source of life in your life. Yeah. And... Um, you have to have that. You have to lean into it. And so with that, guys, we will, uh, we will conclude. Why don't you all stand up and we're going to pray. And as you stand up, let's just bow our heads for just a moment. And as the worship team comes up, I just, I just want to ask here, first and foremost, every head bowed here for just a moment. If you're here and you recognize that you're not part of the family of God, you recognize that you have isolated yourself, maybe you haven't said yes to Jesus, or maybe you've just disconnected from the family of God, and you just kind of want to rededicate your life today, and you want to say yes to the Lord, and you want to say yes to everything that he has for you, if that's you and you would say today, I recognize I'm in a place where I, I need to say yes to Jesus, would you just lift your hand, anybody in this place? Let's say, I need to say yes to Jesus. Anybody? Okay. Maybe, maybe people watching online, maybe you need to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're at Rolling Hills. Maybe you're watching from somewhere else, and, and you just need to say yes. You're like, you know what? I need that family. I recognize that Jesus' blood is thicker than even family blood, and I need Jesus' blood in my life. I need to be a part of the family of God. If that's you... I'm going to pray a prayer, and, and, and basically this just entails you recognizing that you, just like Paul did, you might have done the right things your whole life. You might have gone to church, but you recognize you have no relationship with Jesus. You've never bowed your knee to him. You've never truly said yes to him. And so it's just recognizing, just like Paul did, that you're lost without him and that you desperately need him, recognizing that you're lost and dead in your sin. And just believing what he says, believing that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus despite your sin, 
And, and knowing now that because of Jesus, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you. And he cleanses you from all unrighteousness and makes you white as snow. And he makes you, grafts you in, and you become part of the family of God, where Jesus' blood is thicker than anything else that you will ever encounter in the earth. And he will be with you. He will, you. You will walk with him all the days of your life. And one day, you're going to close your eyes for the last time in this earth. And you're going to open your eyes and see the face of Jesus. That's you. I just invite you to pray with me this morning. You can pray. You can repeat after me. You can pray something like it. Just say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. Because I am lost in my sin. I've tried to do things in my own strength. And I'm an utter failure without Jesus. I tried to do the right things, but it was in my own strength and my own efforts. Just tell him, say, Jesus, I need you. Tell him, I repent of my sin. I repent of all those things in my life that that have been contrary to who you are and what you stand for. And I repent and I put those things behind me and I choose to follow you. I bow my knee to Jesus today. Jesus, be Lord of my life. I believe that you're the son of God. I believe you gave your life for me. You paid the price I could never repay. And you rose from the dead. And today I call you my king, my Lord, my savior. And just ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill me and empower me to be everything you've called me to be. Just tell the Lord, say, I'll follow you to the end. No turning back in Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.